All right, there he is, Nick. Did uh, did you really not see a link? Yeah, I did not. So, I, and I wanted you guys to wait a few minutes to build up the anticipation. I figured, you know, if I made you wait five to six minutes on Christmas Eve for me, it would just further solidify my greatness. Did it work? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Good. Yeah, you know so what else good. I love is that sweatshirt. Did you know I was going to say something right away about it? Have you never seen the Joshy Josherson? Never. Yeah. It's, is, it's, is it not new? I've had it for quite a while, but you know, I have such depth in my fashion roster that uh, I'm not surprised you haven't seen it. But yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. I wish you would have adopted the moniker Joshy Josherson. I think it would have yeah. fit you well. Probably. Where did that come from? What is that? Uh, what is that? That is a good question. I think he's actually one of our four listeners. So hopefully he's smiling as he hears this, but uh, I have still never met the man, the myth, the legend, but I now have a sweatshirt from him. I have a koozie from him and uh, he builds, he lives in Wyoming and uh, he's a, a, what it sounds like is a great fisherman uh, with a little bit more of like a walleye slant and a little bit of bass, but you know, the Eastern part of Wyoming is kind of largely trout and walleye, but he, he builds his own lures. He's got a cool spoon. And uh, he's like, catch a bass on this so that I can you know, have a picture and prove that these things catch everything. Well, he should have gave it to one of you guys because that would have happened a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to do that part of it, but I've got a lot of cool swag. And uh, the uh, koozie, he, he just makes me smile. He's got a good sense of humor. I know this is a family podcast, but the cooler has like a, an animated graphic of a guy holding a net. And it says, get the, you know, effing net. And we've nice. all had a good laugh about that one over the years about the <laughs> yeah, excuses, actually, yeah. <laughs> the, the excuses yeah. that people have, you know, like the way in when, uh, you know, their non-boater was eating a granola bar and, you know, they didn't get the net fast enough for a two pounder. That's right. It's easy to blame your partner. Well, dude, yeah, that's cool. Maybe we haven't seen it, Rob, because we live in Arizona and we seem to record this in our garages where it's very a, rarely cool enough to need a hoodie so yeah that's a valid point i was just thinking this morning as i was putting a hoodie on how uh we're just acting like it's winter here yeah i mean honestly though we do have one of the colder weeks of the year finally our lakes around here are in that winter mode you know over the last couple of weeks i i watched that temp that was just hanging on to 60 forever get down into the mid 50s and uh you know we're seeing some true winter fishing and we'll talk about that in a little bit um and uh yeah we've got quite a bit going on this holiday season guys nick is just coming back from a trip to lake Bacharach. um i'm sure it was a very interesting one he caught a ton of fish we're going to dive into that in a little bit um not only did he catch a lot of fish he was battling a uh what a pinched nerve dude something really bad uh going on with his back or pretty bad going on with his back um Rob's been doing some hunting and, uh, you know, I've been doing some prep. So, uh, before we dive into Mexico though, what, uh, what's been good with you, Rob? Um, about the only fishing related thing I've done is I'm still building the garage right now. Uh, we got some bunch of walls framed up, uh, yesterday and just moving along with that project. I can't wait to get that finished just so I've got a spot for my boat, um, and hope to make it like a pretty cool, like, fishing man cave type situation. So, um, yeah, we've been doing a ton of hunting, uh, good friend, Alex and his, his wife, Jen, uh, have probably the premier whitetail tag in Arizona this year. Oh, uh, wow, dude. I didn't realize yeah, it's, it was that good. Oh yeah. No, it's like a very sought after tag. Um, 
takes close to, I don't know, I think it's 10 or 12 years to draw it uh, with bonus points. So it's a hard tag wow. to draw. Uh, anyhow, uh, Jen shot a really cool buck a few days ago and uh, Alex is gearing up to get after it after Christmas into the new year. So we should be, should be fun. So beautiful yeah, yeah. Awesome. did you guys yeah. did you guys have a crazy pack out again did you shoot it from like three miles away and have to lose 1400 feet in elevation to get it uh it wasn't that well for me it was nothing because i <laughs> i volunteered to sit on the glass because we shot it in the evening okay uh, it was it was a pretty good poke across a big canyon uh, they had to go all the way down the road and hike out probably close to a mile on a ridge and then down to the deer but i kept my binos on where the deer was dead okay uh, and they had headlamps on uh, alex uh, jesse and uh, jen went over there they had headlamps and as soon as the headlamps got into my binos in the dark i knew uh -huh. they were close nice and just kind of walked them into where the where the deer was um and i didn't realize it was going to be that far in there and my intentions were for Les and I to pack up and then go in and help them. And it took them so long to get in there. They're like, we'll be done and on our way out before you guys even get here. So just hang out. So we ended up hanging out and we didn't get back to camp till it was well, well, close to midnight. So it was a, a long, long evening, but well yeah. worth it. Absolute slob of a deer. It's like, I mean, most people not in Arizona listening wouldn't really understand, but these coos deer are, um, you know, generally pretty small deer, but this thing was big bodied and just a, a really cool rack. So, but what grows is bigger in that area? Is it like a better diet or is that just an old gnarly one percenter? Yeah, it's an old gnarly one percenter. And what happens this time of year is, um, a lot of those deer, I mean, there's hunts in there, October, there's a hunt with 250 tags. November, there's a hunt with 250 tags. There's archery tags, uh, unlimited archery tags for the most part. Um, come December, these big bucks come crawling out of these little cracks and holes and deep, you know, deep canyons where you don't see them. Uh, they're very nocturnal early in the season. And then uh, the rut is just starting to kick in a little bit to where the bucks are getting close to the does. And that essentially is what killed this buck i mean he would not have done what he did if it wasn't for that time of year so the eagerness just, to appropriate yep. <laughs> yep so it just uh that's what makes this tag so sought after it uh the timing the timing correct it makes um you're just hunting you're not hunting a specific buck because right. you have no idea what's going to come walking in front of you um come like the October, November hunts, the guys that spend a ton of time in the woods, they probably have a little more success because they'll find a buck um, in the summer that's in velvet and that buck won't move. Generally, okay. it's going to be within a hundred yards or a hundred yards. That's so crazy. Man. In a small, in a small area. I mean, it could be in a, you know, just on a, on a mountain might be on one side one day on the other, the other day, but it's going to be in a small area. And if you can find those bucks, they're pretty easy to, take care of when it's time find again right uh, uh -huh. where this time of year that buck that's holed up in that random spot like that yeah they're just which i enjoy that more i mean 
so many people know exactly what deer they're going to kill. I mean, from anywhere in the country, like guys with trail cameras in the Midwest, they're like, oh yeah, I'm waiting. They have them named. Yeah. I'm waiting for the split G2 and yeah. (laughs) Brutuses are coming around the corner. You know, it's like they know exactly what deer they're hunting. And I think there's a little bit of a little fun in not knowing what you're hunting. So anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, but Very enough, cool. enough deer rant for a fishing podcast. Uh, what's going on with you, Josh? Oh, uh, well, you know what? Yeah. Also, we need to cover the tournament too, so I'll let yeah. you go over that. So. Yeah, you know, Rob and I uh, did fish a uh, tournament together about a week and a half ago now. So, uh, anyways, glad to hear the hunt went well. Uh, props to Jen and Alex, and hopefully, Alex has another uh, cool story like that coming home after this this week, and he can finish off. 2023 with another great deer man but um yeah i've been doing a lot of fishing um you know it's been for me december is a great month because i'm at home enjoying the family and doing a lot of fishing here in arizona as soon as you turn the page into january it just hits the fan for me you know i i i intentionally don't book any any guide trips i don't book any commitments in january because it just starts stuff starts popping up right away and uh for traveling and and different preparations and stuff. And it has, so I've been enjoying the last bit of just, you know, regularity, uh, for quite a while. And, uh, the, the trips have been decent, you know, had, um, more, more good trips than slow trips. That's for sure. It is winter time. So, you know, we've had a couple of slow trips, but I mean, slow trips are six, seven, eight fish, something like that. Um, had a couple, a couple last good numbers days. Rob and I, we were going to go fish uh, Lake Pleasant, uh, for a tournament and then um man we ended up seeing that there was one up at roosevelt the same day and it was like yeah we can't we can't pass up an opportunity to fish roosevelt it's just it's it's more of our our, our i guess we both like it a little preference. bit better than pleasant it is our preference we love pleasant but um been spending a lot of time at rosie and and, and rosie you know you know you're gonna get burritos coming home so no <laughs> and the drive the is so much better too that man. was pretty I'm much the only factor well, yeah, I drive into Pleasant during the week, you know, for us living in the East Valley, you're going to drive basically through so much traffic, the worst traffic <laughs> yeah. on the way, on the way home for sure. Now, even on the way there, if you're going to go pre-fish, but on the way home for sure. Now it is the weekend, but you still deal with closures and stuff like that on the freeways in Arizona this time of year on the weekend. So anyways, we picked Roosevelt and um, it was fun, dude. We, uh, you know, we ended up we ended up catching a, a, um, you know, one of the smaller checks and getting a little bit of option money too. So, um, 15 pounds won it. We had 11 and a half. It's funny right now on Roosevelt. It's really hard to get those, those big bites. And, and that's always the challenge in tournament fishing, but back-to-back weekends up there, there was a 100 boat tournament and then a 50 plus boat tournament and the hundred boat tournament four seven was big fish. In the 50 boat tournament, four fours big fish, mm-hmm. and it was the only four pounder weighed in. Oh, wow. It's like, dude, it, it's, wow. It's, it's really hard to explain how, out of all those yeah. anglers, no one runs into a big fish. And there are a lot of two to two and a half pounders biting. I mean, realistically, wow. it's uh, it's all the same age fish, and, and, and they're all set up and biting, you know, whether you're, you're down spooning, um, the jig bite's getting good. We caught all of our fish on jerk baits. Um, pretty much, right? Yeah, jerk bait. All of our wave fish came on a yeah. jerk bait. So yeah, we caught a couple spoon fish um as well, but the jerk bait deal was the best deal for us. But yeah, pretty weird to see 
how all these two to two and a half pounders will bite. And, you know, it, you see a lot of weights between eight and 12 pounds. And uh, it's it's really hard to get up above that right now. So props to the guys that had 15, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, typically you'll see someone with a six or seven pounder, at least a couple guys. But um, yeah, what's what's your thought on that, Rob? Why, why are there no five pounders being caught right now up there? I don't, I don't know. Roosevelt has always been, uh, so I fished Roosevelt a ton when we had the slot limit and it seemed like fish class sizes always bite there. What I mean by that is back in the day when we had a slot limit, it was what, uh, you could keep them under 13. Was it under yeah. 13 and over 16? So yeah, you, that's right. Yeah. So you had a really good idea what size fish were biting because <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, you know, guys start coming in with limits of overs and then you had time periods where you couldn't even buy an over. I mean, and an over was a, what, a two and a half pounder roughly. Um, and I don't know, I've never seen a lake like that to where fish class sizes. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Fish size class, whatever, just certain uh-huh. size fish bite and everybody is catching that class. And you know, I mean, we all know there's a huge, a huge, cl- a big class of bigger fish in there, and it's just yeah. they're just not showing up. Yeah. What do they do? Are they out in the middle chasing bait? Are they? Um, you would think with forward facing sonar now, people would be able to capitalize on that if they're out just you know cruising around chasing bait balls, whatever. But doesn't seem to be a thing yet. So. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely done that where I'll I'll focus on just pure open water and 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 see. And we fished a lot of open water this yes. summer, a lot this this fall and winter, I should yeah. say. And it was good catching smaller fish. You know, seeing seeing fish on live scope and and you throw it out there and you catch them up to three pounds doing that. But uh, it's interesting, you know. To me, I agree with you, and uh, I, I guess to me, I always look at the the bait and it's like, well. Clearly, the bigger fish aren't biting. They're not in a position where they're accessible to fishermen, to most bass fishermen, right? Like when guys start running into them would be the spring when all the big fish have to come up to spawn. So guys are going to collide with them, whether it's an accident or not, whether they're getting luckier, they know what they're doing. They're going to collide with them because they're up there shallow and that's where the fishermen are fishing. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, post spawn and through the summer too, like they, they, they get onto the easy structure to fish whether that's points or humps or breaks off ledges and um you know they're they're positioned where fishermen again if a fisherman knows how to read a map and fish offshore structure they're going to run into those fish but uh it's kind of i think you hit the nail on the head with that those fish i mean just that size class of fish is where you can fish them right now there i don't think people throughout the country understand what that lake is like there's salt cedars from zero to 30 foot of water for the most part and there's a lot of unfishable area of that lake. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, it's just it's a, such a pain to fish that stuff, right? Like it's there. There are miles and miles of of trees and brush underwater, and and some good offshore spots are nice, clean bottoms, and uh, they're easy to fish, and we do fish them. And then some are are gnarly, right? And um, you know, the challenge to them is I think a lot of times the fish get really spread out because the amount because of the amount of options they have for places to sit, there's not really one reason for them to be grouped up in one spot. But I will say, you know, I've seen 
a lot less gizzard chat lately. And um, that's my other thought is like, wherever the heck there's a gizzard chatter at <laughs> is where those big bass are at. Right. And yeah, uh, just, yeah. you know, in all the different types of areas and stuff that we've been fishing, I have not seen the gizzard chad flipping on the surface. I haven't seen him on my graph. And, and again, you know, man, I bring up live scope 10 times a podcast now, but I've learned it. I've learned what they look like on live scope. And, um, you know, when you're around them and when you're not, and I haven't seen a lot of them lately. So kind of all over the lake too, wherever I've been fishing. So, you know, they're, they're probably a lot of those big ones, you know, I could picture those big giant fish being in groups hunting in packs like big giant striper. And especially when it gets cold like this, I could see schools of 20, 30, 40 giant bass swimming constantly in open water. Um, and I saw a little glimpse of it, glimpses of it last year when the bite was tough like this and uh, had a spot where they would show up. I, I, I would pull up to this spot and, you know, four to five times they weren't there, but one out of five times they'd be up on it eating and you'd catch one and all of them would follow it back to the boat and you'd go, Oh my God. And, and, and you'd never see those fish again for three more weeks. But I think mm -hmm. that's probably happening in different parts of the lake, but yeah, who knows, man? I mean, the bottom, these are all theories, but the bottom line is it's pretty hard to go produce a big fish out there right now. So um, anyway, well, and then that big tournament I'm sure had a handful of the famous, classic uh river roosevelt anglers right so sometimes you wonder like okay you know those guys are at least going to run into one or two giants and then maybe have a hard time putting a limit behind it you know because that was what i was thinking and kind of like what rob was saying a lot of that lake is unfishable i know the river has some spots that get pretty deep and it's just choked out so it's like it's this fun part of the puzzle right you just wonder but it's interesting to see that even those guys didn't crack big fish and then maybe only have like a nine pound bag with like a six or something. Yeah. That's know, a great, it's, it's a great point. Yeah. Like just, uh, you know, typically that's, that's a great way to catch a big fish out there. We've done it a lot ourselves up there in those rivers and uh, yeah, they just limit a clones, dude, limited two yep. pounders. Very interesting. One of, one of our good buddies was up there. Um, and uh, yeah, he experienced the same thing. So, okay. So that was what he had a limit in 40 feet. Yeah. He's doing a jig <laughs> in 15 or you're flipping in five, dude, you're catching two pounders. Two all pounders. Day, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, that's, that's what makes the, it's kind of like what Rob was saying about deer, right? If we knew the outcome every time, I don't think we'd enjoy it as much. It's, it sucks when you're not crushing it, but then it makes it that much more fun when you are crushing it. Exactly. And, and, and you know, it's, it, we're here at Christmas time complaining about catching a bunch yeah. of fish. So without an ice fishing good, hut. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, someone who didn't struggle on size last week was Nick um, <laughs> with the fish that he caught. So uh, we've all been excited to hear about this trip. This was a little bit different than some of your other uh, trips, right, Nick? Yeah, man. It was just fortunate. You know, I, I'm lucky and blessed that I get to do a lot of like, you know, traveling to places where the potential is great for something to be exceptional, right? Like you'll read about it online or like you'll see social media posts where like somebody went there and just has like a banner day. And so you get lulled into thinking that that's always what it's going to be. Right. And so I've had a lot of trips now where I've traveled places with, you know, reasonable, but high expectations or anticipations. And then you get there and the weather's wrong or, you know, you should have been here last week. The bite was better or, you know, next week is really going to, you know, you just don't get it right. 
And uh, this time around, I don't think there was anything that could have been more optimal for really? success. It was just good, man. I caught the lake fishing unlike I've ever seen it. Um, and you know, okay. Like I didn't catch one over 10. Right. So if you're going to complain, you'd be like, well, what the hell? Like, you know what I mean? But you can't and we're talking back with... rack, right? You didn't, uh, we're, Nick went to back rack. Correct. Yeah. So no, 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 no. Thanks for clarifying. So, you know, and you had mentioned, I don't know what happened, but I tweaked my back and I've never had any sort of back pain in my life that I can remember. But for whatever reason, like I was laid up, I had a couple of days where like, I couldn't get out of bed hardly. And, uh, was bummed because I had this window of time open up in my personal life and everything in my professional life where I was going to be able to go. And I had been talking to my friends down there and they had been telling me that it was good. You know, it's like, definitely, this is a good time to come down here. Everything's working and it's the weather's stable. It's good. So then that back injury came and I was bummed. I didn't think I was going to figure out how to do it, but, uh, I decided that, you know, whatever like worst case you get down there and you just sit there and enjoy the scenery at least you're there like go for it and so my dad had had his knee replacement and had had a lot of pain and uh, if you make a face to tell me to stop i'll know not to go too deep because i know we always have a gray area about uh you know family friendly content but uh in our quest to find Where's my dad going? yeah to find my dad some relief i went to a dispensary and picked him up some edibles to see if we okay could help we're him. going too far already yeah okay and it didn't work for him at all not gonna offend me dude but i know <laughs> and, i don't know uh, how youtube works dude so keep going okay and so that was going to be my ace in the hole right i was like <laughs> all right well if worse comes to worse like because I, I didn't know what to expect i took the bus again and i think i'm done doing that i'm gonna do the flying and coming in the back way or something but that was going to be my ace in the hole like well if i'm just in so much pain like i can figure it out so the drive down went really smooth um and and the pain kind of let up and i'm gonna gloss over the the exciting funny part of the setup there because i don't know um needless to say it was an adventurous bus ride down because i uh i was i was flying at thirty thousand feet and uh it it just I got there. Okay. So I'm I'm rambling on something that doesn't matter. I got there at like 2 p.m. on the first day and tired. You know, I haven't slept any and just like, yeah, let's go out there. I caught my first fish on like my third cast. So and you it was wait, a, so so you you bust to where and who picks you up and where Yeah. So the this time I went to a city called Guasave, which is like an hour and a half from where the lodge is. And then they pick you up. Like they're it's it's like full service. They Whatever you need, they hook you up. So so they picked me up in a really nice brand new Ford Expedition and had nice heated and cooled seats as needed all the way there and, you know, living the life of luxury. You show up, man, like drop your bags out of the back of the truck, change into some fishing clothes, had the choice of a hot lunch or a sandwich and just start fishing right away. So, of course, like I'll just take a sandwich and let's go. So, I mean, within like 30 minutes of getting there, I'm already in one of the boats wow. heading out to fish. So it's pretty sick, right? Like all the excitement and anticipation is building to this moment. And, uh, right away, man, like third cast, I caught like a, a good fish, like a three, three and a half pounder on a rattle trap. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause the last time I had been there, you fished hard all day for like 35 or 40 fish. And at the end of three and a half days of fishing, my biggest was a seven. And there really wasn't a lot of, you know, there's fours and fives, but nothing in that size class. So I was like, well, that's a good omen, like right away, you know, catching one that's decent and like 
fights hard and everything's just feeling good. The weather's 81 degrees and not a puff of wind and blue skies and nobody's gone by on a wakeboarding boat and no one's gone by on a jet ski. And you know what I mean? I didn't deal with a boat ramp or anything. I just like waddled down the bank. So three casts later, I catch a six. <laughs> so I've got two fish within my first 10 casts for like nine and a half pounds. I was like, this is good. Like I, I, now I see why they're saying the fishing is good. Like it's, it's good. Wherever you make a cast, you know, fish in the bank, wherever you make a cast and you're like, there should be one there instantly. You, your rod loads up. You're like, Oh, look at, there's a, a bush four and a half feet in four and a half feet of water, like five feet off the bank. I bet there's a, yep. That's a bite. Unreal. Unreal. Like, okay. Reel in, take that fish off, throw back in there. Real passive. Another one. You're like, Oh, okay. And this one's, you know, bigger than the last one. Okay. Take that one off throw out there a little bit to the right where there's a rock bam same i mean it was just like that amazing like, crazy so you realize there's there's guys that fish down there that can never fish up here ever again after that yeah it's, it's so exciting down there and so whatever you want to call it up here <laughs> right like you just have to appreciate the struggle up here and down yeah. there the struggle is your hands are tired Right. You're like, I, I just kind of think I might skip casting for a second because like everything's hurting again. What are they but doing so, down there? Are they spawning yet? Yeah. Caught quite a few okay. fish that were, were, you know, spraying okay. when you brought them in the boat, but it didn't seem like any of the big ones were, you know, <clears throat> I feel like they were still in feed mode a little bit more than they were, you know, we'd get on like some shallow stuff that was, you know, just like a good looking flat with a bunch of brush and different sized rock and where they should have been, you know, really focusing, I would think. And it didn't seem any, you know, noticeably different. So there's some spawning going on, but I think it's also still just like feedback pre-spawn yep. type stuff. So then he takes me around the corner. This is still the first day. This is within an hour of arriving. And uh, he's like, okay, pick up your deep crank, right? And just like, there's a hump out there, throw at it. <laughs> like, okay, boom, I bomb my deep crank out there, put the rod down and start reeling. And like seven cranks of the handle, I feel it hit the bottom. And then it's like kind of in a tree and then, you know, it kind of crawls over and does that sideways kind of roll and then stops. And I'm like, oh, that's in my snag. And then a boom, I set the hook and the rod just like doubles like three times into a big head shake. I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, real, real, real. So, you know, I'm reeling as fast as I can. It's on the end of a long cast, right? So I'm reeling as fast as I can. And this fish just comes up and does like the classic like head shake tumble. And then I'm like, wow, that's a big fish. Real, real, real get it to the net and it's like a six and a half I'm like okay cool so it's in the net and flopping around and i take my crankbait and boom i throw back out there same thing reel seven times hit the bottom boom just loads up again head shake dun 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 good one jaws bah. six casts in a row it was like nothing smaller than five oh biggest was a, <laughs> biggest biggest was an 871 and like, that was that first ridiculous picture where I have two handfuls <clears throat> of like the six and this almost eight back to back. I mean, it, one was in the net while I'm fighting the next one. Oh my God. It was God. just, That's you know, you like double there. Yeah, dude, the deep crank can be magical, but you go so long before you find like the magic spot for it. And that hump was magical. I mean, I had 45 minutes probably there. Eventually it cooled off, but I mean, just ripping on them. Right. So the thing about that place that I'm learning too is that you have bookends. So the morning and the afternoon is sandwich. Well, sandwiches the rest of the day, but those ends are topwater time. Right. And that's what it's all about. So, like, 
you have these magical moments where like the trap was working and the crank is working, but then it's like that spot was dying down and you look over your shoulder and you see shadows starting to form on the little hills and stuff. And it's like, okay, pick up a popper and go to the bank. And so my first half day there, that was what happened. I mean, the deep crank kind of died down. It was top water time. I ended up the day I caught well over 40 fish and just under four hours of fishing. My biggest was almost eight and numerous fours, fives, and sixes, top water, trapping, like everything. So I went to bed thinking that the next, the first full day was going to be pretty good. Like I just, I didn't even know what to expect other than just like, it's going to be special. Right. And it was man, right out of the gate. Um, the thing about that lake that has taught me and you guys are more experienced and, and better fishermen than I'll ever become. I know, but I'm learning there that like things that I took for granted that I never thought would uh affect me tackle wise are uh become your achilles heel and like i've so for instance i uh got lazy and i probably should have been checking my popper on 50 pound braid but i just didn't even think about it make a nice long cast there's a tree i mean just like the perfect setup right like a broken bank going down with a with a tree in like seven feet of water and right when my popper gets to it just an absolute monster, you know, emerges, rolls over the top, explodes on it. Bam. I set the hook and like instantly you can tell, you know, it's a good fish. And then I feel it dogging down and I like, it gets into a tree, pulls out of the tree and I'm still on it again, gets into some brush, gets out of it. And I have it, you know, come into the boat It goes under the boat. I'm doing everything I can. And I did not, uh, you know, thumb the, the bail to give it some line. Dude, it snapped 50 pound braid like it was four pound test. Just pop. And it's gone. funny how you can break a uh, 50 pound braid, but 65 seems unbreakable. And I say that all the time. And, and dude, 50 is already heavy for a popper. Like you're not going to throw a popper on 65. Who knows what it was? But I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. But, it, you know, I, I challenge any listener to tell me a, a time that they got broke off on 65, but 50, it does happen, dude. It's a heartbreaker. Big difference. Yeah. It was a heartbreaker, man. It was a big one too. Like I saw enough of it to know that it was like, it was, who knows? You can't say the difference between once it's, it's just the bigger class fish. Right. So, so day two was some heartbreakers, but I ended up honest to God, by the end of the day, I was like asking him like, how many fish do you think we caught? Like is a hundred like normal? And it's like, yeah, probably. And it's like, man, I feel like maybe even more. I don't know. Like it was just a great day. It was punctuated by nothing bigger than like mid seven, but tons of fours, fives and sixes. That's so the fun. next day, the next day, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, let's just count. Let's just see. And so I was really catching them good on a, like a medium dive and crankbait. Like that was completely out fishing everything else. Like really? you could, you could throw other stuff and they'd eat it. But I had a crankbait that was just like, what was the crankbait? Do you know? Yeah, it was a Rapala DT 10. Okay. And, uh, had a nice, you know, it's just whatever that natural green shad color was. And they were just dialed in on it, man. I tell you what, like you could catch, you know, there's, there's some like 10 to 12 inches in that lake for sure, but you'd throw it a tree and catch a couple of those. And then the next time you threw it, that tree, it was a four and a half pounder. Right. And like, I mean, my biggest fish on that crankbait was seven seventy something. I mean, like it caught the big ones. It caught the little, it just caught them. And so that second full day, like, it's like, all right, let's do it, man. Let's start counting. So we counted every fish that made it to the boat. And by 9.45 in the morning, we had crested 100. By <laughs> by 12.45, we had crested 200. And I mean, I caught 50 on a topwater in the morning shadows. 
Dude, and that's insane, take- bro. So then that's the dumbest my- thing I've ever heard. Yeah, but you're not making many casts without like if it went three casts, yeah. Honest to off. God, if it went three casts, I'd turn around and be like, you know, F this lake, it sucks. Like I want to wow. go home. Like that's I didn't catch crazy, a fish on three dude. casts. 445, I was at fish number 300. And I at this point, like I, I don't even know like how to like cast anymore because it's just like that good. It's just stupidity. That's the most mind-boggling thing I've ever heard, honestly. Like that's out of all the Mexico stats, out of all these these stories and trips, um, to catch 300 fish in a day counting, dude, is insane. Because I know it's real easy to throw numbers around and, and fishing here in the U.S., dude. Like I, I've seen it with the every fish counts, dude, in MLF. Like, dude, it's hard. Like. You go to these best lakes in the country, dude, and, you know, they're getting pressured and stuff. And, dude, 20 fish is a lot of fish to catch in a tournament day. 20 fish. Now we're talking 300. And it could sound like I'm making this up. No, I believe it because you did count, dude. I believe it. And I will say the guide's thrown behind me, right? But, like, the guide is hilarious. I love him to death. He's he's just, like when you guide a Bacharach, what makes you excited, right? Like after a few casts and he catches himself a five or a six, dude, he just like sits down and drinks a Coke. You know what I mean? And it's just like whistling a song and just like hanging out because it's like, you already live in paradise. Like, what are you trying to prove here? So for sure he caught his 50 or 60, you know what I mean? Cast in every 15 minutes and then be like, Oh yeah. Yep. And then there'd be (laughs) dude. And his nonchalance is the best thing ever, dude. He just puts his tip down on the side of the boat. And just winches them in, and there's like a six pounder thrashing on the side of the boat. I <laughs> ah, boat flips it, you know what I mean? Like grabs it, takes the hook out, throws it over his shoulder, and you just hear a cannonball, and then boom, cast again. And you're just like, okay, like if I ever get to that level of like desensitization, interesting. But so Sounds five like o'clock- Minnesota fishermen, right, Rob? Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> just kidding. There's a lot of you guys out there. We we love you guys, but. The fishing's uh, even not quite as good up there as it is down in Mexico. But again, like I've been on the struggle bus many times, no pun intended, right? This was just a magical one. So this day is coming to an end, right? And like it's shadow time, the poppers in my hand and like, I'm just spent. Like there's just nothing, there's no more like expectations left. Uh, I make a long cast on a popper fishing, uh, just like the most gorgeous looking vertical bank. And it lands right on a rock. And like three pops comes out to a second little rock outcropping and just a massive explosion. Just gosh, set the hook and instantly it comes up and tail walks and it's massive. Stayed tight on him. Tail walks again, stayed tight on him. Mm, get him to the boat, net him, nine pounder. So fish Jeez. number 325 was a nine pounder on a topwater as it got dark. The final count was 327. <laughs> Like Nolan Ryan throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball to strike out the last guy of a no hitter, dude. dude. That's pretty like, awesome. I'm telling you, it's the second biggest fish I've ever caught in my life. <laughs> I caught it on a top water, and it was fish number three twenty five on the day. Dude, that's more fish than you've caught in okay, take ten that years. In that's ten more than years. Yep. Yeah, probably since yeah, in a decade. <laughs> dude, at least, crazy. at least, and I still had wow. one more full day to go. Honestly, it was like, this is too much. Like, I feel like I'm using up all of my like stored, you know, karma. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> like, I don't want to yeah. like tempt this. How are your hands? Is the guy, I mean, are you unhooking them yourself? He's so good, dude. I feel like a baby and I want to take my fish off because I feel like just such a loser. Like you're running the boat. I'm fishing dude, your you took, spot. 
Yeah, if you took 325 fish off by yourself, your hands would be destroyed, honestly, dude. And my hands are destroyed, and I only took off 25% of them, right? But I mean, like, I, I and I learned, like, okay, like, certain reels are a little bit more comfortable than others that I own, and, like, sure. I cranked hard on a reel that was not comfortable. I have blisters on every finger. My knuckles are swollen. Like, I have, like, I got arthritis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Like, my left wrist is, like, I look like I have, like, lupus. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, my back doesn't hurt. So the moral of the story is go to Sinaloa if you want to fix a pinched nerve in your back because new things will hurt and it won't be your back. There you go, man. So that's It was magical, that's so man. Cool. How was the uh, – was it really bit, uh, busy at the lodge? <laughs> yeah, that was the part that was terrible. It was just me. So I had my really? own private lodge with like six staff members staring at me the entire time wondering if I needed anything. Like I, I, I can't make any of this up, man. Why was it? Why was there no one there, dude? Probably because I'm so obnoxious. Once people knew that I was coming, they rescheduled, but I had the entire place to myself. It was, it was amazing, man. So is this, is this the time of year to go? I mean, for our listeners that want to do a trip like this, is it mid December? I mean, is it just but, a freak, a freak thing that it's that good? What's, what's I the think story? it can always be good. You know, last year I went, I was looking at my phone the second week in January and it wasn't like this, but you know, who's to say, I, I, we would have to get one of those guys, you know, to tell us more in depth, like really what it is. So maybe it's kind of the difference in like here where like, you know, April or May is real hot. And then you start shouldering out of that and it's still good. So maybe December is kind of like peak season, but I don't know. I think I just got lucky. You know, I think is the it, lake is just healthy. Good water level. High, high yeah. level. Yeah. The water's high. I mean, it's probably like, I didn't ask, but it's at least, you know, the high water marks seven feet down the bank. So it's got yeah. a lot of water in it and the water looks so good, dude. It's clear. Like it's kind of like a greenish tint clarity where like you can yeah. tell there's nutrients in it, but I mean, you can see down deep, you know, deep, deep enough that like, uh, five, feet? five to seven feet. Yeah, yep. uh, especially clear, especially yeah. like that main lake. Once we would fish like the main lake, broken banks, it was clearer than that. I was getting excited. I was like, oh, I know they can see my top water from a long ways away, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna seek it out, and that's what's so fun too is that like you know you kind of have to fish a top water like that popper. They wanted it slower, and uh, you'd be two thirds of the way back to the boat thinking you're in no man's land, right? And like every temptation is to reel in. And like you turn the handle to reel it and it's oh cannonball explosion on it. And you just start laughing because you weren't even ready. Like you were reeling in to start your next cast. So that fish came from somewhere probably. I mean, I don't think it was just randomly there. So uh, the water clarity was awesome. Like really, really good. How about weather? Shorts and t-shirt all day? Or Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little wimp. So I dress warmer than 99% of people, but absolutely dude, it's like a light jacket in the morning. And then yeah. in the evening, running back, and they let you fish from first light to the absolute last speck of light. So I mean, like you just get to satiate yourself. Like yeah. you just fill it. You pull into a cove, and like the weather's perfect. There's no other fishermen. There's no other pleasure boaters. It's flat calm on this huge lake. The sky is bad. Um, I need to look it up. It's like Roosevelt size, though. Right? I mean, like it's a good size body of water. So twenty like, miles long, maybe. Yeah, probably right in there. And, uh, you look up the bank, there's not a house, you know, it's just natural the way it looked uh, 200 years ago. Well, the lake wasn't there 200 years ago. Right. But like, you can just tell it's like pristine. There's just groups of tilapia exploding on the surface everywhere. 
I mean, like hand-sized tilapia are everywhere. When you're talking about gizzard chat a second ago, it's like, man, what a magical thing when you have large bait. When you yes. have lots of big bait, good things are going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just so special. So, so you bring your own tackle. Yeah. I rent rods there just because rods are so good. cumbersome to travel. So you bring with. your own reels in. Reels. What kind of equipment, what kind of boat are you in? Are you in the front of the boat? Are you in the back of the boat? Are they trolling, fishing out of a ponga or a bass boat? What is it? No, it's cool. It's a modified, it's probably a 19 or 20 foot aluminum V hole. And it's okay. got a great casting deck on it with a chair. And I won't lie, I sat in that thing quite a bit, especially cranking. I was just getting my ass kicked. I'm <laughs> old and tired. And so, you know, you're comfortable. And then it has a, a good um, Minkota Ultrex up front that the guide's using a remote on. But it's got spot lock and everything. And it's, I've never seen it windy there. But it does get breezy okay. occasionally. But you've got enough power to, you know, fish wherever you want to fish. And, uh, the you know, if you had a couple people in the boat it'd start to feel small but when it's just you or like one other guy it's there's yeah. tons of room and like it's got a great 70 horsepower yamaha four stroke on the back and like it's just like what you need to catch the crap out of a lot of fish right like it's yeah. just not flashy and it just works and they have and a great little go ahead and you're staying right on the lake in the lodge there's the lodge is right on the water's edge yeah like the okay. scenery from the lodge yeah. is like looking into the main bowl of the lake and it's nice that's cool. epic and they have a good little s store that you you need to kind of like i would encourage <clears throat> people to talk a lot to them ahead of time to buy stuff from like tackle warehouse or whatever that's specific but once you get there like they have enough to like cover you um but you know i i, I put a lot more effort this time into like talking to him and knowing what to bring because last time he looked at what i brought and you could tell he was like dumbass i can't believe you like don't have the stuff you need like why would you come unprepared but that's just how you learn and that's awesome by mo is being unprepared so this time around i had like a lot better stuff and you know it was a sad story i will say when when my magic crankbait finally got lost at the end of the third day i was you know this thing has caught 400 fish at this point like it looks like a boxer a prize fight boxer in the 11th round dude it's like yeah. hardly any paint left i was gonna dude i was gonna take it home take the hooks off of it and hang it on my wall and that was gonna be like my thing there's nothing cooler than a bait that is that chewed up man uh, and my my clown colored deep crank caught a lot of really big fish and i got to keep that one and it is effed up messed up but so my <laughs> my prize fighter dude Oh man, I'm so done at this point. Just happy. And I get it right next to a deep bush and instantly bah! the rod loads up to like the fifth eye, you know, and it just starts swimming to deep water. And it's like, oh my gosh, like so fun. And then all of a sudden it just, poof, it just comes live. Like, oh, the line broke. Like, how did I, I've been checking. And once I had that popper heartbreaker, it's like, I need to make sure everything's perfect. And I reeled back, dude, and the lip had broken off. I had just oh. the lip, and the crankbait was gone. So I was like, the crankbait just KO'd, dude. It just gave up. <laughs> so, so did you say you're going to host a uh, listener trip next December? Didn't well, we should do that. it. We should do it. And I'll tell you what, we'll fly to Mazatlan, and then it's a five-hour drive. But they have awesome equipment. I mean, dude, I was riding in a, a one-year-old, brand-new brand new Ford Expedition XL, right? So, I mean, there's like was three it, rows. Was it black and there was like three others with it or? Yeah, no? I wish, dude, because I deserve <laughs> that kind of reception. But uh, nah, man, it was, it, so it's good. So we'll fly to Mazatlan. We'll do a listener thing. You two are going to come. It's mm -hmm. so fun. I don't suggest you eat an edible right when you get over the border hey, and we're then not roll talking on the bus. That. 
other than that, though, you know, just go for it. Just come with me. It's so fun. It's so good. It's uh, yeah, it's it's something that'll keep a smile on your face for a long time. That's cool. Yeah, man. that's it's hard to uh, experience fishing that good. I don't. I mean it. It, it almost impossible in the states, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It it uh, it's worth it. Take the take the trip, and you know, honestly, it's affordable. Like if you look up at what Baccarat Lodge charges you, and then you think about like it includes food. It includes, you know, like alcohol, if that's how you roll, which isn't my speed necessarily. I mean, everything's included, right? Other than gratuities. And uh, it's for that type of experience, you could pay two or three times that. Think that that would have been reasonable. And this is not that expensive. What's, so do it. What's on What's on the menu down there? Good Mexican food or is it, what, what do they do? Yeah, they kind of cook to what your suggestions are. And like, I wanted Mexican food. And so the food's insane. The first night it was like, uh, like pieces of stewed beef in like a green chili sauce with like beans and tortillas and salsa and amazingness. And then the second night was, I have to go back and look and see. I can't believe I'm forgetting the second night. The third night is a big uh, New York strip steak nice. with like a baked potato and like all sorts of great stuff. And then, um, yeah, you just eat like a king. Breakfasts are great. They'll give you a hot, hot lunch if you want to come back and take a nap. But uh, if you want to stay on the lake, they'll. It's just it, however you want it, man. Like they just, they're truly in the service business. They just give it so, to you how you want it. So they don't do the lunch on the island anymore. Uh, I haven't experienced that. that. Okay. What, you, was, uh, what had, was that, Rob? It was literally thirty years ago when I was there. It was in '93, and every every you know lunch was on an island they would bring lunch out there and make lunch for you it was incredible <laughs> but but it was a big group right there was a bunch of us down there so they would probably do that if you wanted it so is there I a break so. where you're napping like <laughs> I would Siesta? there was about a three-hour break between the morning and afternoon session everyone would eat their eat their lunch and then take like a two-hour nap and then go back <laughs> out yeah well as long as you ask for that to be politely excluded from the itinerary yeah. they'll do it but the first time i didn't know to ask for the special package it's kind of like in and out has a secret menu maybe yeah. it's one of those things where it's like an animal style fry but i was like i'll just take lunch on the lake dude and like we can just keep going like oh yeah no problem and then Your i mean the dad like, caught F the guy's guy rolling his eyes yeah. yeah yeah you mother <laughs> well all i have to do is occasionally beep the button on the trolling motor right like i can take fish off the line occasionally if needed but uh you know, it, uh, it was great. So yeah, even the day though, that I racked him, I sat down and ate a sandwich and looked at stuff on the bank. Cause I mean, there's so much cool stuff to see, dude. I saw weird, random, exotic snakes, like swimming across That's the so lake. Crazy, dude. dude. And then I was, I had my back, we were in a cut and all of a sudden I heard just like something ex like crash into a tree and we both turn around and look and a hawk had dive bombed on a coot and got it, dude. Just bam. Like killed that thing he was over there picking it to shreds on the bank like I, I mean like nature abounds i didn't see any deer but the guy tells me he he hunts deer all the time at the lake and like you know it's mountain lion country to the max every time i look up on the bank it's green right now because their rainy season is has been going on so it's like jungly and i think to myself like god if i had to get up that bank and walk to the top of that mountain and like spend the night like steve ranella style I don't know what would happen to you. All the like things that would bite you and sting you. It, like it, it feels wild up there. <laughs> so I'll just stay on the boat in the lodge. 
That's cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is some wild country down there, dude. It's going to be again. Yeah. Like you did such a good job of describing all of it, man. It's hard to follow that with anything fishing related. Right. Um, <laughs> well, dude. it's just magical. Right. So it's not even like, that's just the, the required thing to say about it is, is it's yeah. like, okay, well you went to Disneyland. Like, why are you surprised that Mickey mouse was in a castle? You went there to see that. Right. Like that's how that trip is. It's like, you went there, like you'd be like, we didn't catch a 10, right? Like that's the only thing you could say at this point. Like yeah. every other expectation you could have was realized. So it's just yeah. like you went to Disneyland, you know? If you catch a 10 down there, dude, it's probably better because like if you catch a 10 down there, it's like, yeah, I got a 10, but it was down in Mexico. So uh-huh. I guess it'd be better to catch a 10 than not to catch it, but it's still good. Yeah, that easy for you to say jerk. came from here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. And, and the struggling that goes into catching a good one out of Canyon feels a little bit more deserved than just like mindlessly going down the bank, catching everything on every cast. So in the lodge, do they still have the, um, the records of the lake, like in who caught them and when they caught them? Cause I remember that 30 years ago they had, I don't know if it was a book or if it was written on the wall, whatever it was, it was, uh, you know, talking about some giant fish. You know, I could have picked around a little bit deeper. I didn't. And I, I mean, the pro shop has cartoonishly enormous fish on the walls. And gotcha. the guy told me his biggest is a 14. Gotcha. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, who knows, right? Like, it'd be interesting to see some kind of a fish study to see. Is it like OH Ivy where you have, like, high teeners swimming around in there? Or is it like you get topped out, right? Like, maybe, don't they talk about that sometimes where in those places where bass have really high metabolisms and they're just burning hot and bright, they don't live a long time. And so like you reach a plateau, a, a plateau of like 14, 15, 16, but to get that final like mass, they live a little bit longer, you know, and maybe they're, I don't know, it'd be interesting. A biologist would be cool to interview and hear like when you have ideal conditions like that, what becomes the restriction on, you know, growing a 20? Like, yeah. is there a restriction yeah. on it? You know, cause the, they have a cool re- agreement. So the commercial fishermen, you know what time it is because they show up at 4 PM. That's when they're allowed to set their nets and they, they get paid to throw bass back. And so the commercial fishermen and the, you know, the white people with money, whoever arranged that deal looks like it's enough that like it's the rules are followed. So they must be compensated appropriately. So you can tell that like there's a, a level of conservation going on there that is protecting those fish, right? Like, I it's mean, clearly like working. Yeah. Like, I mean, yep. it's the proof is in the pudding because it's not like all the other Mexican lakes, right? Like he and I talked about that, like Wheaties and like the other ones, like you go and you just catch fish, but you catch like a five, right. And like hmm. a handful of them. But dude, like five pounders, you throw them over your shoulder and keep going at Baccarat. Like you're almost <laughs> angry that like the first pull is like a big one. And then it gives up. And you're like, ah, it's a five. I don't want it. Just like we would get it close to the boat and give it slack line. So it would just it's pop like off we do with 10 inches here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd say burros machos, which I don't know what that means in his mind. But I guess it's like, thank you very much. So you get one close to the boat, give it slack. And if it came off, you'd be like, all right, thank you. And then just keep going. But if it wouldn't, you'd be like, ah, like dang it. Like I actually have to touch this four pounder. Like this is becoming too much work. Like take it away from me. I don't want to see this thing. It's cool. Problems. Yeah, exactly. That is cool, dude. Well, yeah, that would be fun to have a listener (laughs) trip down there, man. That, that sure would be. I'm sure there's a few light bulbs going off in people's heads. Still, 
still, you know, kind of weird that you were the only one down there. Not going to lie, dude, but <laughs> that's what made it great. That's the best part. I hear you. I hear you. That's cool. Well, dude, that's awesome, man. Uh, and, and glad your back's doing good. You're back here for Christmas. Um, to turn the page a little bit from that, I was going to ask you guys with the holidays coming up, with Christmas coming up, do you do you guys have any like um, Christmas traditions or memories, fishing related, either as a kid or as an adult that like stand out? Did you ever have a, did you ever decide to go fishing on Christmas day? Or did you ever get a, you know, as a kid, a, a Christmas fishing present that was like really special? I didn't give you guys any time to think about this, but. Anything off the top of your head? Yeah, I think of one. It was it's crazy because um, I had to be. I was probably eighteen, and I got a. I wanted a slow gear racial reel, and it was an Abu Garcia round reel that was like three point eight gear ratio. It was like the nice. slowest thing ever. Yeah, and what a clunker those things are, dude! Like, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Like the, well, just like as far as reels back then, not back then, yes. now, right? No, yeah, yeah right. look at you throw it. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I didn't want to say I caught him on a Rapala crankbait. I was like, do I need to like? That's fine. Well, the no, bill I, broke anyway, so yeah. No, this was. I'm, I think it was the 5,500 C's were the silver ones. Do you even remember those big round? I never like had that? one, dude. I honestly, yeah. my, I did have one round reel. My first bait cast reel ever was round, but it was low profile already gotcha. by the time i get into bass fishing i it was low profiles all i ever had yeah i mean those were the like the sought after reels when i was first starting to fish and uh, i remember getting the slow gear ratio one it was like gold in color and yeah i don't i don't remember being that impressed with it after that but it, i was so stoked to get it nice to the point that i went fishing it had to be maybe the day after Christmas day and my sister was with me and it was on Bartlett Lake and the lake was way, way down. And it literally, literally took us an hour and a half to get off the water. Cause there was one little teeny ramp. The lake was oh, so low. So and everybody was loading up. Yes. Yeah, so oh, dude, what a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So, but whatever. I That's just, cool. Hey, vividly Christmas it. gifts awesome. and fishing were like, dude, I'd be so stoked when I was younger, just waiting for a something fishing wise. So yeah, I'm sure, that's cool. I'm sure there's some yeah. young kids or just anybody just anxious right now waiting for their Christmas gift that's fishing related. How about you, Josh? That's it. Yeah, you know, it does suck now because I don't get any fishing gifts because I, I, I don't want them, right? Like, I, I'm Correct. pretty spoiled, dude. I've got everything fishing wise and like, you know, everyone knows don't get him anything for fishing because it's, you know, he's got, got what he needs for that. But I do, I mean, as a kid, dude, I would just... I lived in the Bass Pro Shops catalog, right? And I would look mm -hmm. at, it was all about reels, just like you, dude. And I would just look through all the different reels. And, um, you know, one thing that uh, was a big Christmas thing uh, for a couple of years was, it was on electronics. You guys remember Eagle Fish Finders? Yep. yep. Oh. So they had, it was the Eagle Fish Mark 320. We had this aluminum <clears> boat uh, when I was a teenager, right? And, um, Eagle Fishmark 320 was like at the, the time a pretty legit graph for the money. It was two hundred dollars, dude, and it, <laughs> uh, it had, I believe, it had GPS. I think it did. And, 320 had GPS, right? It was just a quality 
sonar, dude. Like it was, it was a good quality sonar for $200. So, uh, got one, one year for the, uh, back of the boat. And then the next year we got one for the uh, front of the boat, dude. So I remember the Eagle fish mark 320. Well, and then the other best uh, fishing Christmas gift I ever got was a guide trip, dude. I got a guide trip to go uh, with Ken Levy. If you guys remember Ken's fishing guide yep. service, he unfortunately passed away, you know, probably 10 years ago, eight years ago, maybe, but man, what a, uh, he was really instrumental for me uh, as a, as a young fisherman. You know, I, I fished with him on that. So my parents got me a guide trip with him and, uh, you know, I just kind of latched on to him and he helped me out a lot. You know, after that, I, I would call him for uh, fishing advice and uh, he had hooked me up with some gear and stuff like that. And uh, he really did teach me a lot. So that was probably, you know, as far as, 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 a, as a, a gift as a kid that helped me along in fishing, that was the biggest one for sure. Is there anything popping up in your head, Nick? Well, so my birthday is December 27th, right? So I've always Coming had right the- up the Christmas birthday and I share it with my brother. So growing up, like, but I look back on it pretty fondly, honestly. And luckily my brother and I have both been avid diehard fishermen since, you know, the beginning. And so my parents were cool. They kind of pivoted. It was always winter break. So we didn't have school. So we'd start going on trips for like, kind of being like the gift. And so, man, we went on some fun, you know, midwinter fishing destinations and uh, there was a period in like when I was young, I remember I turned, it was the year I turned 12 or 13, we, uh, we went to Cabo and uh, I remember at that time, like dude, reading uh saltwater angler and like, as a little kid, all I wanted to do was catch a huge fish. Like I just wanted to catch, like, it's like every little kid's dream. You just want to catch like a blue Marlin, right? Like I want to catch a 1500 pound Marlin and brag to my friends about it. And so we went to Cabo and I remember we went on like an offshore boat. And I didn't get seasick that time because I was always getting seasick. That was kind of the downer. But I remember we had a magical day. And and Cabo now more than ever is magical for striped marlin. I mean, you can go there and catch them out of a panga and catch 15 of them. I mean, like the marlin fishing off of Cabo and then like up into Mag Bay, which is going into the Gulf of California from there. If anyone wants to go marlin fishing, hit us up and I can I can get you dialed in. It's nuts. But I remember as a 12-year-old kid, dude, I'm sitting on this huge cabin cruiser boat they had a photo album in the like inside the cabin of like things that a 12 year old shouldn't be seen. But I remember that day, dude, we freaking caught him. Like we caught so many Marlin and like, I have the one that's mounted on my wall was from that trip. You know, it's like a, it's a complete carbon copy stripe Marlin. There's nothing significant about its size or anything, but every time I look at that fish, I remember thinking like I had arrived on the scene, dude, I was at the pinnacle of like, I thought I was going to be in magazines after that because I had, you know, sat on the back of somebody else's boat while they <laughs> trolled live bait through like a, the equivalent of like a, a stocked trout pond, right? Like just like zero skill required. But yeah, that was that was such a fun time in our lives. And uh, yeah, man, it's Christmas is cool like that. It can it can create an opportunity to put a smile on someone's face in a meaningful way. And hopefully, there's a lot of that going on today and tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like we all, yeah, we were all lucky to be into fishing at, at, at a young age like that. And, uh, you know, hey, nothing's, nothing's changed. So uh, let me say one ahead. thing quickly. I will say to build off what you mentioned, Josh, and anytime I meet like friends that have kids that are interested in fishing, what you just described is so true. And for me personally too, man, get someone a trip with a guide who knows what's up. 
because even if they don't have a day where like, you know, you catch 300 fish and they're all 10 pounders, you will learn so much. Right. And there's a possibility to make a friendship or at least like a mentorship that can point, like you can accelerate the learning curve 10 X, like do that. Like, man, anyone listening that wants to get someone else, like book them a trip with Rob or Josh or somewhere else with a good guide. Yeah. Just any guide. It's a, it's a great point. I mean, but a good one. Cause yeah, if you go out and, and, and it's a struggle, <clears throat> the kid's going to lose interest. Right. So yeah, just one good trip could, uh, could definitely really fertilize on a fire for sure. Yep. Fertilize the seed. So yeah, do that to anyone that's trying to figure out a gift for a young person or even just someone that wants to get into fishing, shorten their learning curve and book a guide. Yeah, that's good. With that being said, okay. So if you could ask fishing Santa Claus for one fishing gift at this point in your lives, guys, (laughs) what are you asking for? It could be anything. I'll I'll start. Okay. Okay. Let let you guys think about it. I'm going to ask him to put smallmouth back into Apache. Oh yeah. Yeah. Apache Lake out here for our listeners back East. It's, it used to be like a 50, 50 mix of smallmouth and largemouth, And it was awesome to fish that place. And, uh, it's good now when it's warm, but now you get, you get out there in the wintertime without the smallmouth and it's not nearly as fun. So I missed that. That was, that was our best smallmouth fishing in central Arizona. So, um, uh, you know, I'm going to go to Bass Pro, sit on Santa's lap and ask him for smallmouth <laughs> and Apache. <laughs> Dude, if that's if that's the kind of gift you're going to get, I want no wakeboard boats on Saguaro. What Thank do you. Think you. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. I love Wrapped it. up in a big old bow. Yeah, buddy. Oh, that's hilarious, man. dude. It exists in Baccarat. Go there, Rob. Rob's well, going to go guys... to sleep tonight and just dream of a big heap of wakeboard boats burning and the smell of fiberglass, <laughs> yeah. and he'll be so happy. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I can't even add to that. I mean, you two just knocked it so far out of the park. This is like T-ball. We're trying to make fishing in Arizona great again, dude. (laughs) Well, I'll vote for you. (laughs) Yeah. Nick wants another DT-10 with a lip on it. Yeah, no (laughs) kidding. Can I go back? And I don't even need to catch that fish. I'll gladly just take it from him. (laughs) Nick wants a fishing trip on Mars, dude. That's his next thing. He's going to go fishing on another planet next. Dude, Dude, Elon Musk hooked me up, bro. I read a quick article in uh, one of my favorite fishing magazines where they showcased when Lewis and Clark were doing their big exploration. They actually commissioned a guy to come along who was their biology expert. And he was there to catalog all the new species along the way. What a fun thing to read, dude. That guy, he called everything a trout because that was all their perspective. They didn't know what they were encountering. But like, I mean, starting from catching catfish and like the Midwest and like those Mm. rivers and then working West and catching, you know, I'm assuming, you know, we're like trout and salmon. Like they, they, Lewis and Clark's journals actually would talk about like how good he was. And like, he was sourcing like product, like that would have been, that would have been pretty cool, right? So your comment about fishing on Mars, it would be fun to be the person who like goes through an area first and sees what's up. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So hook me Very up, Santa. Interesting. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nick's going to be the first to explore a new area. Uh, uh, the first to fish <laughs> a new place for sure. Let's do He's it. Gonna take a bus. He's going to take a bus there too. <laughs> That's the experience, dude. It's so fun. Man, coming home on the bus was not fun though. I did. I got a, I got yeah, the low... There's too many, there were so many people that I had to just take what I could get. And I got on the economy series bus, dude. And like my seat was small. There was six stops, like two checkpoints. It was a journey coming home, which completely unnecessary. Don't let that deter anyone. Just book a freaking plane ticket 
and fly. Yep, exactly. So enough said. All right. Well, hey, that's been uh, it's been a good episode. Cool to hear those stories. Um, I got got more that I'll save. It's, I can hear everyone stirring in the house and uh, time uh, for some family time. But do you guys have anything else before uh, we we wrap this up? No, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everyone, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see you guys in twenty twenty four. Right? Yep. All right, sure. guys. Thanks again to the listeners. Thanks for hanging around. If you guys um are listening on itunes this is available on youtube you can check it out just search anglers happy hour on youtube and uh, you'll find it there um and yeah hope you guys have a uh, great holiday and we'll be back at you guys really soon thanks again